just had something drop in my heart. Just um, hope that is deferred makes the heart sick. And uh, I want to look at, at just the relationship between um, hope and the heart. And um, I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians here, 1 Corinthians 13. And it, um, it's kind of interesting, the, uh, the sequence of, of things that are listed here. It says, there are three things that remain. What does remain mean? That, that means they're, they're, they're continuous, they're steadfast. Um, you know, it said a lot of things are going to pass away. But it said these things are going to remain. And then it puts them in this order. It says faith, hope, and love. And then it takes the last one among those, in a, and it says that that is the greatest. And so there's almost, you could almost say that there's a, a sequence that takes place. And I just, we can look at it and see if there's a connection here. Okay, so um, why is love the most important? Why is, the, why is it the greatest? And um, it, you know, we've been seeing this so much, I think, uh, just in the heart of Jesus, but throughout the New Testament, that there's a need for our motives to be right. And the, the war against our motives is always the flesh. It's always me. It's always, what can I get out of something? And, and the, um, the heart that we get from God is, is a heart of love. And so, it, you know, 1 Corinthians 13, that's what it's talking about. It says, if, uh, if there's no love, then nothing else matters. So it's, it's the overriding, it's the overriding motive that will drive anything that's going to be of significance. Um, but there's a need Love isn't enough on its own. It's not the only thing we need. Because <laughs> you just can't sit around in a bubble and love. Something, something else has to happen. So I've, I've got them listed here. First of all, love is the purity of motive that gives purpose and strength. So it, it's going to be the... <sighs> anything that we do, it's either going to be excellent because our heart's in it, or it's going to be kind of haphazard, and, and um, you know you can you can you can make somebody uh, do something, but if their heart's not in it, you can tell, and there's no ability to press through anything because your heart's not in it. So the heart is directly connected. Connected. It's like uh, what's that? What's that? Uh, one of the kids, um, when when that Australian lady comes on and when they text you or call, I heart. It's one of your names for your kids. Yeah, but you have a heart on there, and so she says heart. Oh, Except for she said, my, and she says, my orange heart. <laughs> Except for she's an Australian. Anyway, uh, because a heart is always connected with love, isn't it? And, and so there's a significance in that because it's from the heart that everything's going to be driven. It's going to be significance. Um, but the next one, and we're going in reverse order now, is hope. And, and, and hope is, is what takes the drive of the heart and gives vision to it and causes you to begin to, um, it, it makes love come to life. The vision of that come to life. It, it needs, you need to have something connected to to where you're going, and there needs to be a vision. So the hope is the vision of love, all right? But faith is what takes you from the heart of love to the vision of love, and it, it's the emotions that get you to it. Does that make sense? All right, we'll, we'll kind of hash this out a little bit, but 
So faith is the action that maintains movement toward that vision. So here's the thing. If you only have love, you're not going to go anywhere until you have hope that's given you vision to take you there. And hope, you, don't, you don't actually don't have faith without hope. Because you have to be able to see through the eye of faith. And that's seeing hope. It's connected. All right? And so hope becomes a very critical thing because it's the, it's the thing between love that, and faith that causes action to take place. All right? So let's look here at, at the necessity of hope. When it's diminished, the heart is sickened. And lack of movement causes faith to die. So it's connected to both love and it's connected to faith too. So when, when hope is, is, is missing, is diminished, what does it do? It, does, it, it has an effect upon love. It has an effect upon the heart. It, it, it causes the heart to get sick. And a lot of people are going through a diminished hope in their life. And they get discouraged. They get they get overwhelmed, and, and then what does it do? Then it's, it sucks out the life. The movement goes away now. So where hope is, is hurt, there's a reversal upon love, upon the motive, and then there's, a, there's an effect upon faith. So hope's like right in the middle affecting both things, and it's, and it's vulnerable. It can be affected. So I, I was thinking about this, just, just a couple of examples real quick, is... Uh, you know, Buddy was telling me he went on this hike, and he said, I kept looking over this rock pile and thinking that that was the top, and his hope was set on that rock pile. <laughs> then he got to the rock pile. It wasn't the top. So finally, that last rock pile, he just decided he's just not going to go any further. Who knows? That next rock pile might not be the top either. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, uh, and then we went fishing. You know, and I, I'm, I'm amazed. We had this guy that was took, took us out on this boat, and uh, he's this young kid, and, man, he does this all the time. And, and um, you know, I think they're kind of on a schedule. If, if we don't catch something enough time, then he's firing up the boat, and we're going somewhere else all the time. Um, but... but um, you know, when it comes, and I'm talking to the, he's not only the the uh, dog uh, father, but he's the fish father, too. He's, he's the, the rod father. There we go, the rod father. He's the rod father. So, <laughs> but the thing about fishing is, especially you take somebody that's not a real fisherman, and uh and they don't have a they don't have an idea they they don't have a vision for what's going to happen they've maybe never caught anything so they don't they're really not excited about it yet and if you let too much time go by we got to fire up the boat because we got to have some more vision to keep you engaged or you're just going to say let's see what's on facebook you know you know what i mean cuz you have to have for you to stay engaged on what's going to it's not enough that you're out on the boat you don't you know you're going to have to have a little bit of a heart for it, but it's the hope that drives you to take the action, or else you're not even going to put the pole in the, in the water anymore. You're just going to say, huh, I, don't, I just don't really care about this anymore. And you lose heart for the whole process um, because hope gets hurt by things, right? <laughs> and if it's not set correctly, and this is where we were singing here tonight about something that is essential for this, um, and a lot of times it happens 
you know, the, the older we get, the more of life we experience. And the more things that we can say, okay, that's just not ever going to happen. You know, when we can have that with God. And we can, we can still put on a smile. We can still say, we can still sing about, great is his faithfulness. And in the middle of it, we're not doing anything about what it's going to take to actually get to what we've been given in him. Because our hope has gotten to the rock pile. And we've decided to sit. Right? <laughs> so hope is an essential thing. You know, my dad was talking about this. He actually did a whole study on this. And, and man, he was, because a lot of times we're a faith bunch, aren't we? We don't talk about hope. No, that, that's that stuff where you're just wishing for something. No, you can't have faith without hope. Because, in fact, as soon as you get something, you don't need faith anymore. And hope is what connects you to the thing until it gets there. Right? So there's a need for that to, to, to happen. But here's, what's, here's, here's the challenge. If, and um, we're, we're, we're still in these bodies. We're still in this world. We're still motivated by things in this life. But, but if we, we can do something about where we're setting our hope. And it's very critical where we're setting our hope because... A lot of things will let us down. Relationships will let us down. You know? Um, jobs will let us down. You know? <laughs> uh, the church will let us down. And if your hope is set on that thing, you're vulnerable. You can, you can go down, right? So it becomes very critical what we're doing, what we're, how, how we're setting this. Let's look at this first. So hope is, uh, if it's not set correctly, it, in, it actually infects the heart. So Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred. What is that? That's, you're expecting it to come. The rock pile, miss, you know, you don't get there. And so it's a deferral of what your expectancy was. And this is the way a lot of things in life can be, is you're expecting it to happen by a certain time. We put a timetable on things. And this is how most of life is. We put an expectancy on it. If it hasn't happened yet, our hope sinks. And with the sinking of our hope is the sinking of our heart. Our believer goes away. And we're not, we can say we're speaking, we can say we're standing in faith, but if our hope is gone, it's just sounding brass and tinkling cymbals because our heart is not in it. Does that make sense? So hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. When the thing comes alive. Now here's, here's, here's the challenge. What do we do in that waiting time? We saying, you know, uh, he's in the waiting. And, and, and Well, there, there needs, there's, there's something for us to engage in when we set our hope in the right place. And this gives a clue to it. Uh, it's, it's where you're setting your hope uh, that's going to determine its vulnerability to get sick. And there's a, there's a possibility of setting it in a place where you can have an everlasting rejoicing going on. Um, man, we sang it over and over again. Your faithfulness, your faithfulness. Well, what's, what's the importance of that? And I think we, can, I think we need to intentionally... 
be aware of what's happening when we're talking about God. And there actually needs to be an emotional response where we're actually getting excited about it. You know, uh, I went to this motivational thing, you know, (laughs) and and that's a big thing that they talk about. They say, you're going to have to start seeing yourself the way you want to see yourself. And you got to get excited about it. Because this is, otherwise your, your heart just dies and you're not going to do anything to get to that thing. And, it's, and this is the way we're made. Without hope, there's no substance of faith. So Hebrews 11, 1, so what does it say? It says, now faith is what? The substance. So faith doesn't get to exist without hope, does it? According to this, right? So faith is, is what hope produces that causes you to be able to be alive until it arrives. Does this make sense? It's the substance. It's something that you can have that that rejoicing in a fulfilled dream now. And I believe that's a big thing why Jesus said, I have to go so so the comforter can come. And in the world, you're going to have tribulations, things that would cause your hope to die. But you can be of good cheer. Because your dream has come true. I'm here. Right? But that doesn't mean anything. This is why we have, to, we have to cultivate, we have to nurture this relationship that we have with Jesus. To where whatever else happens, we can, we can talk about this. We can, we can sing that, you know, I'll praise you in the storm. I'll, well, we will not unless we are cultivating this excitement for Jesus, right? Because faith is what we're going to do that are, we're dependent upon where we're setting our hope. And everything that we do in faith should be producing joy, should be producing gladness, amen? It's something that we can do. Okay, let's look at this. What, uh, so what to do when your hope has died your heart is sickened, and you're no longer moving. Is, any, is this describe anybody, anytime? Uh, I, here's the temptation is to look at some people that look like they just always, they never go through something, you know. <laughs> and think that this is just me. But Satan really likes to do that. He, he likes to make us feel like we're the ones that, are, that experience this, and nobody else really does that. But there needs to be this understanding, what, what can we do when our hope has died? When, when you know, some, sometimes there can be somebody, there can be something, there can be some stronghold. We can say, is it, it's, it's just never going to go away. I'm trapped. And as long as there's a requirement of something in this earth changing for us to be encouraged, to be glad then we're going to be vulnerable to a loss of hope. So what do we do? So I like this next one. When you're going through hell, keep moving. I know uh, I'm not the first one to ever say this. I'm sure you've heard this. But what is necessary? What what, What happens when hope dies, when we're discouraged about something? We've tried it. And, uh, you know, even with God, a lot of times we... um, we take something about God and put our hope in the about God. 
even a scripture. Well, you can say, if I can just confess this enough, if I can just, and, and so it becomes about a process rather than a person. And as soon as it's that, then we, can, we, ha- we put our little time clock on it. And if it doesn't hap- happen by a certain amount of time, then we're giving up on it. Right? Or we start bellyaching, you know. When is it? A- as, soon as, as soon as wind comes out of our mouth, hope has died and our heart's sick. Am I just describing me? I just, I just felt like a masochist today. I thought I'd just get up here and speed up on myself in front of y'all. No, but, but this, is, this is reality, isn't it? And so we're going to have to be able to do something about it. And I'm so grateful that we can, right? So we, we can't let surroundings determine our hope, but we can actively set our hope elsewhere. There's a need to be consciously aware of where our hope is actually lies okay so Hebrews 12 2 and I like this amplified version of it because it, it talks about setting our hope we have to set our hope don't we looking away from all that will distract to Jesus <laughs> oh man I wrote a song about this it's like look away and unto him you have to look away from that thing Whatever the thing is that's going to cause you to be discouraged, you have to consciously look away from that thing. But you don't just look away from it. You just, I ain't looking at you no more. No, you got to be looking somewhere else. You got to be looking towards Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith, giving the first incentive for our belief and is also its finisher, bringing it to maturity and perfection. So what we have in him is not just a wonderful savior that just, he just, he's just, no, he's one that's taken us into this necessity of resetting our hope away from anything in this life, right? <clears throat> and this is a challenge for us because we are earthly motivated. We, it, it, there's a lot of things going on, but... Th- <laughs> This is, this is the deciding factor. Is he really, are we really going to follow him? Or is he really our Lord? Because we can actually get our, 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 our expectations fulfilled sometimes in a lot of other things. Especially if we're gifted at things. You know? But they will all pass away. That's what 1 Corinthians is about. It, it, it's all going to pass away. So we have to intentionally be aware of this reality and we're doing something else. We're looking away from that thing. When we're going through that, what are you doing when you're going through hell? Well, you're going to look to Jesus and move. Don't stay there. Intentionally move away from him, those things. Looking away from those things around us. Man, don't you like how Jesus did this? So amazing how he did. You know, um, The, the, the passion that he was going through on the way to the cross, it has so much uh, emphasis. But his whole, at least those last three years, man, they would have to be a whole bunch of temptation. It wasn't just the temptation at the end of the wilderness thing, you know, the fasting time. No, <laughs> I mean, he's got, he's got his own disciples uh, telling him that he shouldn't do something that, that he knows he's supposed to do. He's got, he's got all this opposition coming against him. He has developed uh, 
the ability to look away. But he doesn't just look away. He looks to something that is steadfast. It's not going to change. It won't change at all, right? He's the author and the finisher of our faith. And what is it what we saw? What faith requires is hope. And in this passage is a demonstration of the relationship between hope and faith. He said he's the author and the finisher of our faith. And he shows us how to do that. He says, okay, let's get your hope going. We have to actively work on our hope. What are we looking to? And we can get ourselves right in the middle of this. God has called us certain things, but he has a vision for our life that he's put in our heart. That a lot of times we give up on it because discouragement. Somebody told us we can't. We, we, we get a certain expecta- expectation of what that's supposed to look like. <laughs> All right, I don't want to give too many personal examples, so let's just keep going, all right. Bringing it to maturity and perfection, he, for the joy of obtaining the prize that was set before him, endured the cross, despising and ignoring the shame. He looked down on it. He despised it. He ignored it. What, what are we going through in our life that would cause our hope to be discouraged? Look to where what God has put before you. And, and I like this passage because it calls it joy. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus is going, he's going to the cross. And what does he decide to look at? Why? Because his, he has to have hope all the way to the end. Because yes. what he's doing, he's laying down his life with the belief that it's going to redeem. And that might be something we have to go through. We might need to lay down our life, but we better keep our eyes on the prize. Amen? <laughs> because we've, well, we've been given a promise that's beyond now. And either we believe more in the world and its nastiness, or we believe in the promise we've been given in Christ. Amen? He's now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Okay, let me keep going here. Setting the Lord as our hope heals the heart. So here's the thing. A lot of times we we just want to say, pray for me that my heart will be healed. No, let's just look to Jesus. Here's how you heal the heart. Let's do what we're supposed to do, and the heart will be healed. It needs hope. Right? Psalm 16, 8. So I'm just going to go through some of these examples that David has such a great, great representation of this. Because David was going through all kinds of challenges. Man, he was not, well, he was anointed to be the king, but he wasn't actually officially the king for a long time. And he, you know, and, 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 and um, oh, you know, all, all of his, all of his family and his, and his soldiers' families were taken away and everybody's crying mutiny. And man, that was a time that he very much could have given up hope. He said, go ahead, take me. But what did he do? He looked away from that, didn't he? And what did he do? He, he was praising God, but he was encouraging himself at the same time. You can't praise God without your heart being cared for. Right? Well, and I don't know, I don't think this is related to that story, but let, let me just read this. I have set the Lord always before me. Don't you like that? 
Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, now look at all these connections. My heart, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in what? Hope. When we're going through something that we can be discouraged in, there's something for us to do that never fails. Amen? He says, I'm going to set my focus. I'm going to put the Lord before me all the time. What are, and, and, well, let me get into this. For you will not leave me, my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. Okay. He said, you're not going to leave me in hell, so I'm going to follow you. We're going to go somewhere. We're not going to stay here. I'm going to look to you, and I, and I know I'm always going to be taken out of that because I, I, then I can just rest in hope. Oh, hope is so necessary, right? What is it in, though? And we'll get to this, okay. Psalms uh, 73, 26, my flesh and my heart fail. Sometimes we can just acknowledge, man, I'm going through something. I can't stand this. I don't like it at all. And, and, and you know, I, I just want to end it all. I just want, I want to run away from everything, right? He says, he acknowledges that, but then he says, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. If there's something that I need, I'm going to see it in him. Isn't it amazing how David came up with this stuff? It's from a relationship, wasn't it? Praise God. Let's look at this next one. In him, his word and promises. Now, it's amazing. The, the, the biggest book in the Bible is about the law of God. And, you know, we can say we've got to get rid of the law altogether. But I saw this. You know, what is he thinking of when he's getting all excited about the law? It's not the stuff he's doing wrong. It's the promises. If I'm in right relationship with God, I can believe that he's going to take care of me. Because he's, that's what his promises are. So if we're looking to him, we don't look, just look at the, a picture of him and say, well, that's a nice picture of Jesus. I'm just so filled with hope. There's a nice picture. No, what are we looking at when we're looking at him? We're looking at somebody that's faithful to do what they said they would do. And they're very capable of fulfilling everything that they said they would do. So there's a necessity of not just looking at a picture, but knowing what he is, knowing what he said, knowing what his faithfulness is, Right? For he gave his laws to Israel and commanded our fathers to teach them to their children. So that they in turn could teach their children too. Thus his laws passed down from generation to generation. In this way, each generation has been able to obey his laws. And to set its hope anew on God. And not forget his glorious miracles. Now, I'm so grateful that we have a new, a new way. We have a new covenant in God now. But the principle is still the same. We can't just randomly sit around and say, humming, humming, humming. It's my perspective of God, and it doesn't really matter what his word is. No, we get our hope in him from his word. Right? And we, and we instill it in our children. We don't ask them if they want to go to church. We don't ask them if they want to memorize a, a verse. No, we put it in them because what the word does 
is it allows us to have confidence towards God. Amen? And he's promised he's going to take care, meet all my needs according to his riches and glory. We have all kinds of stuff in the New Testament that we can say when we're, when we're, when we're needing hope, we're looking away from this and we're looking to promise. Every promise. And here's, here's the thing. David was looking at the promises when he's looking at the law and, and, and respond, uh, instilling them in his children. And Jesus didn't come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill it and to make it so that all those promises, they're ours by just believing in him. But it's important to understand what those, what those promises are. So that when we're being faced with lack, when we're being faced with rejection, we can go and we can see what that promise is. And we can say, oh, when I'm looking to Jesus, I'm seeing exactly the thing that I would be, my heart would lose hope for. And I'm finding it in him, and I have it right now. It's the substance of things hoped for. I can hang on to that right now. And I don't need, it doesn't need to happen right now because... I already see it. It's mine by faith, right? And then I can do what it needs. I can start acting like it's real. <laughs> I don't have to say, I'm just waiting till it happens. No, it's, it's mine now. I have it now. Amen? Amen? All right. But I thought this was really interesting because it says they, in this way they were able to set themselves, Right? Set its hope. I like that. A new on God. Boy, those, those, there's a need for us to renew. That's what happens when we're doing this. We're renewing our hope in God. How precious this is. And we don't, we don't talk about this enough, do we? All right. Psalm 119. So this is the big one. I am worn out waiting for your rescue. He says, I'm acknowledging. There's stuff that I need. But I have put my hope in your word. So basically what he's saying, is there's a lot of stuff happening to me, but my hope isn't in the, the elimination of those things. My hope isn't in the enemy going away. I cannot put my hope in that thing or I'm going to give up. I put my hope in the word. Right? My eyes are straining to see your promises come true. He said, my, my focus is not fixed on what I'm going through. My focus is fixed on what you've said. And in that I'm alive. Right? I am shriveled like a wineskin in the smoke. But I have not forgotten to obey your decrees. <laughs> Man, I'd have a hard time coming up with that wineskin in the smoke thing. But... Um, Maybe we can relate to someone. Okay. Hebrews 6, 17. Christ has established for us an unshakable place to set our hope. So let me just read this real quick. Accordingly, God also, in his desire to show more convincingly and beyond doubt to those who were to inherit the promise, the unchangeableness of his purpose and plan, intervened, mediated with an oath. This was so that by two unchangeable things, his promise and his oath, in which it is impossible for God ever to prove false or deceive us, we who have done what? Fled to him for refuge might have mighty indwelling strength and strong encouragement to grasp and hold fast 
What? We have to have hope, don't we? He said, I did all this so that by my promise and by my oath, you could have hope. So that you could hold fast the hope appointed for us and set before us. This hope is so necessary for us, isn't it? That we understand that this is something that God is faithful. He will not change. If he said something, we don't just try it out. And how do you get to that place where you have that kind of relationship with him? Man, we have to, we have to be impassioned in his presence. We have to enjoy it, right? He has to be big in our life. Not just part of our life. He is our life, right? Now we have this hope. As a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, it cannot slip and it cannot break down under whoever steps out upon it a hope that reaches farther and enters into the very certainty of the presence within the veil. Man, I like this. Where Jesus has entered in for us in advance. A forerunner having become a high priest forever after the order with the rank of Melchizedek. Jesus is like that Melchizedek that was 500 years before the law. But gives us a relationship with the Father. And causes us to be able to go boldly into his presence. Man we need to savor his presence don't we? Amen. It's in that beholding of him in that place beyond the veil. Outside of the world's dominance, that he's made for us to be able to have a hope. That's not just a facade, not just something we're trying to build up. We're not trying to, I mean, you could turn this into a formula, even what I'm talking about. This is not, it's, it's a relationship. Let me keep going real quick. First Peter 1 Peter 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to what? What we've been born again into is something that we set before us continually that causes us to be extricated from the effects of the world and its ability to destroy our hope. We have to have hope. Amen? And he's done this. He's begotten us to a hope. A living hope. Not one that can die. Don't you like this? through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance. This is ours. What is an inheritance? Something we fix and they enjoy. And, and this is forever, right? Incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. This is what we've been given in Christ. So we see what David had. He had the, just the, the, the law to go on. <laughs> we have something so much more than that, don't we? Jesus has gone in there. And he says, come in here with me into the very presence of God to where it's not just religious words. It's promises from the heart of the God that has transformed you into a new creation. Amen? Set hope by considering his faithfulness over our failures. So 2 Corinthians 1, 9. Indeed, we felt within ourselves that we had received the very sentence of death. But that was to keep us from trusting in and depending on ourselves instead of on God who raises the dead. Don't you like that? Sometimes when we're going through something, uh, God, God kind of arrested me with, with something that I was getting discouraged with late, lately. He said, well, that just makes you even more special. 
I'd have to tell you a little bit more, but sometimes there's a different way of looking at what we're going through. And they're doing that right now. When we're going through something, it should be validation that we can't trust in those things anymore. Rather than letting them affect us, we can just say, "Uh uh-huh, see, I told you I can't trust in you. (laughs) That's kind of what he's saying, isn't it? This This is just proof that I can only trust in God. For it is he who rescued and saved us from such a perilous death, and he will still rescue and save us. In and on him we have done what? Set our hope, right? Our joyful and confident expectation. There needs to be some joy involved in this. We might have to put some on. We can't just sit around waiting for joy to come. Uh, this, this guy I was talking about, he uses this, this phrase a lot. He says, an, uh, an electric um, uh, plant doesn't have energy. It generates it. And, I, and it's good because we can't sit around and wait for energy to come, to wait for joy to come. We can't wait for, no, he's made the way. He said, now come. And there's never a reason for you to be with it. I mean, there's something going on, but there's never a reason for you to stay there, right? We can run to the presence of God, begin to say what he said over us, and to not dishonor him. You know, Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, what did he do? He despised the shame, and he turned away from those things. And how dishonoring it is for us to despise what God has said and to turn to those things that always fail. And that's what God sees happening. When we don't take what he said and decide to get happy about that. (laughs) Or we just look at it like, man, we can't be halfway on that. We can't be dispassionate. We can't say that's just not me. (laughs) Because we're excited about some things. (laughs) I know Larry. (laughs) He got that European gun. And my memory anyway was you were shaking when you took that thing out of the... (laughs) He was excited about that. Why? Because there's things in our life that we're excited about. And God needs to be... He needs to be one. We need to get excited and kind of shake a little bit in his presence, you know. You know, when we're unwrapping something new about it, we say, oh, wow, this is great. Right? All right, I'm I'm just way too animated right now. All right, Ephesians 1.18. Are you guys good with this? (laughs) There's a flooding of, of light by the Spirit that supernaturally sets hope in his calling. So what we're looking at here is just practical things that we can do from the word. But I'm so grateful that, that we aren't just uh, minds, but we're spirits. And that we have the Holy Spirit to help us in this too. I need the Holy Spirit. Amen. But there needs to be this intentional pursuit of hope when we enter into prayer in the Spirit. And an expectancy that we're going to be changed. I'm, I'm doing this with God. God change how I see things. And it only happens by the Spirit. 
I mean, the, there's so many ways here that, that we, we get involved with this, that, that hope ignites faith in us so that we get moving. We start doing what we know to do. And, and one of the things is we, we put an expectancy on the Holy Spirit to do this in us, to awaken. And I like this flooding of light by the, by the Spirit. Amen? By having, and, and this prayer is so wonderful, by having the eyes of your heart. Don't you like this? And where, what is the heart connected to? It's connected to our hope, isn't it? Flooded with light so that you can know and understand what? The hope. What do we need the revelation of the Spirit for? Hope. <laughs> so that we can get off our artful sansays and... That's my mom, what my mom called. Something that I won't say the donkey version of. Okay. <laughs> we need to get up and move though, don't we? We don't need to be saying, I'm waiting for God to move. God's saying, huh? I'm waiting on you to move. I'm waiting you to... Oh, never mind. Okay. And, and understand the hope to which he has called you. We need some understanding on hope, don't we? What he's... He's put before us that, man, it's true. He's promised it. So now I'm going to go towards it. I'm not going to dishonor him by not moving. Amen? Faith is not just an option and just something that we just build up for ourselves. We build up, we respond in faith to honor him. Amen? And how rich his glorious inheritance in the saints. All right. I've just got one more. Just take a deep breath. Close your eyes and look unto Jesus and smile and all right, okay. Intentionally, and I, I just had to do this because my wife, I'm just wanting to stay in tune with my wife. Intentionally divert from temporary expectations to assurance of an eternal one. Don't you like this? First Peter 1.13. So brace up your minds. Be sober. What is it? What is being sober? That, being, that means be free from the intoxication of the world around you and those things in the flesh that you consume and allow to become your hope. Right? You do that on purpose. You brace your mind. You say, no, I'm not going to do that. We have a choice where we can set our hope, don't we? Circumspect, morally alert, set your hope. And again, when we're praying in the Holy Ghost, that's part of Satan. He's not just doing it for us. He's responding to our request. Amen? Set your hope wholly and unchangeably on the grace, the divine favor that is coming to you when Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is revealed. This is all going to pass away. This is what's so funny to me about all this political stuff that's going on. A bunch of lies and a bunch of facades. And, and I just don't, I don't even want to get hooked up with anybody anymore. It's like, you know. <laughs> I just want to set my hope onto something that's not going to change. Something that's true that we can trust in. Amen? And know that all this nonsense is going to go away. And... And where I'm going, if I, if, I, if I keep setting my hope, 
The thing is, you can't, pro you can't progress to something you, that your hope's not set on. And um, some of the stuff we were reading, man, Paul says, you know what? If, uh, if the people that had the promise in the wilderness um, failed, don't assume that you're standing when you, you're fixing to fall because you're not doing these things yourself. Setting our hope is not an optional thing. He's still a God of holiness. He's still God that, that sent his son so that we could not just disregard what he's done, but actually set our hope on him. 